Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Other Minds and Hands as we enter the uh, the Other Minds and Hands Advent season and start doing Christmas stuff. I We're am, a little ready for holidays that's here. That's it. As you can see, Maggie is in the mood already. So we are I turning... We're officially past American Thanksgiving and off into the Christmas season this week. Um, today, we are going to be expanding our um, our openings series um, into Christmas stuff. As we discussed last time, we're going to look at how the Grinch stole Christmas today. Um, and we're going to be comparing the book, the classic cartoon, which Dr. Seuss collaborated with, um, the 1966. I didn't realize it was that old. 1966. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think uh, the the book was 57, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, so says my uh, copyright page here. Yeah. 57. Um, uh, anyway. And then um, uh, and then the uh, the Jim Carrey 2000, I think, film. It was in 2000. And then also the 2018 animated version. Um mm -hmm. So, okay, so we're going to be looking at How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And once again, um, this is our opening series. So uh, instead of just doing, we will inevitably do some kind of broad, big picture discussion of the kinds of choices that they're making and things. But rather than just kind of talking in general, um, broad terms about adaptation and adaptation choices, um, we're continuing our opening series where we look specifically at you know, we isolate a particular thing. And in this case, it's the opening and what we learn from the opening and what is being told us and how it's being told us um, by mm -hmm. the openings of these different things. Um, so the book, we begin Let's with the book with the text. and this one, of course, as we were acknowledging last time, one of the things that makes this very striking is that we have visuals here and that is uh something that has a profound impact on um, the adaptations and you can see ways you can you will immediately if you're you know when you're familiar with the film adaptations you will immediately see how uh, many of the visual aesthetics are um, well I won't say dominated but um, in heart strong, strongly yeah. informed by um, uh, and we've talked Go ahead. And we've talked about that before with adaptation, just how important that preconception of image is that, you know, with so many of the texts that we talk about on this, there's still imagery that's really agreed upon with the fan community and with the viewing community yes. that, you know, Tolkien didn't necessarily have an illustrated edition with pictures on every page. That's basically a storyboard like the Grinch is, right. but he had really consistent artwork. He had consistent artists. And those artists then worked on Peter Jackson's films and created a certain imagery. And then those artists worked on Rings of Power, which perpetuated a certain imagery. Right. So there's this kind of like awareness of what things should or could look like. Yeah. So it's a real risk when you go against that and you give the Balrogs wings or something like that. That's just, you know, unforgivable. Absolutely. So it's quite, quite different looking at the Grinch when we have basically a storyboard in front of us to go from. And we have this... And it, an extremely authoritative, um, yeah. really sort of, in many ways, essential to the story, right? Um, uh, yeah, like Edith says, if you're going to adapt a picture book, why wouldn't you? Kind of exactly, you know, like, I suppose you could, but that's a choice. That's gonna, that's a choice that would probably have some repercussions. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's, um, let's look at the opening. 
of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. And of course, our image is of the little Who with a wreath, right? Um, and that's it. Every Who down in Whoville liked I'm going to read that again for reasons. Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why, no one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm-lighted windows below in their town, for he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now, hanging a mistletoe wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. I must find a way to stop Christmas from coming. For tomorrow, he knew. All the Who girls and boys would wake bright and early, they'd rush for their toys, and then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. That's one thing he hated, the noise, 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 noise. Then the Who's young and old would sit down to a feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, and they'd feast, 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 feast. They would feast on Who pudding and rare Who roast beast, which was something the Grinch couldn't stand in the least. And then they'd do something he'd liked least of all. Every Who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, would stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. They'd stand hand in hand, and the Who's would start singing. They'd sing, and they'd sing, and they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more the Grinch thought of this, of this Who Christmas sing, the more the Grinch thought I must stop this whole thing. Why, for fifty-three years I've put up with it now. I must stop this Christmas from coming. But how? Okay. Um, I would... So Corey has a second career coming as oh, a book reader of, oh, of Dr. Seuss. I, I, Dr. Seuss is... It's beautiful. I mean, I, one Just of the, the great magical of geniuses of English mm -hmm. prosody in the, you know, in the 20th century. I mean, um, this is... Can I... I... I I should set a timer for how long I will allow myself to like ready go on about the poetry. Okay, I'm setting a three minute timer. No more than three minutes. Okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, notice that the dominant meter of this poem is in one of Dr. Seuss's favorite meters, which is an apestic tetrameter. Dun 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 dun. However, it's varied in a couple different ways. Very frequently you see a um, most of the lines, in fact, start not with an anapestic foot. Bum, bum, bum. Um, sometimes it does. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. That's a pretty standard anapestic tetrameter line. Um, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. And that's another one. But now, line three, the Grinch hated Christmas the whole Christmas season. The Grinch, stress on the second syllable. And so, see, that's a variation already. And he does this a lot. It could be his head. It could be, perhaps. Um, 
the stress is on the second syllable. So he'll do like an iambic foot at the beginning. Also, he does an extra foot at the end. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Season, it ends with an unstressed syllable. And again, that's very frequent throughout. A huge percentage of his lines have that extra syllable at the end, and a lot of them vary it at the beginning. Um, however, it, that often happens together, so it preserves the number of syllables in the line so that the flow is still really good. What he never does is just vary for the sake of variation, just breaking it up, right? Um, so the result is this like really smooth. I mean, you could feel how smooth it is, you know, when you when you read through. And yet it's not monotonous. It's not mm -hmm. simply um, metronomic. And he he will bring out some things like that third line. The Grinch hated Christmas is a really unusual line in this book um, because the stress is on hate. The stress is always on hate. You can't say hated without stressing that first syllable. Right. So you have the Grinch. The line should go bum, 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 bum. Right. That's how the line should go. But instead of the where you should have two unstressed syllables in a row after Grinch, you have the word hate it in italics. Right. So you get two stressed syllables in a row. Grinch hate are, are both stressed back to back. The Grinch hated Christmas um, and you almost spit out Christmas. And it uh, feels like you're yelling at me when you yes, say it because it's so the different. The Grinch hated Christmas. The whole Christmas season. Um, and uh, and notice how it immediately calms back. Like that line is a really, like the, the stresses are way out of control in that line. Like so different than almost any other line in the whole, <clears throat> uh, in the whole book. And then it, it slips right back into the con. Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. Um, and it goes right back into his regular, uh, into his regular meter. But you have to be really sensitive to listening to his, um, both his meter and how he, uh, how he deviates from it. So... Brilliant. I'm glad you did that, though. It might have felt like a, a departure from what we talk about, but I'm glad you did that because I feel like what that does is lyrically and textually give us the Grinch as this, Yes. you know, to the rest of the story. Like, he is different and he is controversial. And we have so many other ways to see that in the visual representations in the, in the films. So yeah. having that in the text is your first immediate, like, ooh. That, yeah, it's that, he's that's the feeling you need. Yeah, he is in your face and it's the it's it's the hating, right? The Grinch hated Christmas is the that's the beginning. It doesn't have an origin story, that is the origin story, right? He the Grinch hated Christmas. Um, I would also emphasize there is not one thing obviously the um 1966 cartoon is uh in meter all the way through. Um but in both of the modern adaptations, there is a significant return, um, not just using it as an introductory frame mechanism, which both of them do to some extent, mm -hmm. um, but at certain moments in the narrative, returning to a narrative voiceover that returns to mm -hmm. some version of anapestic tetrameter. And I will give them all credit they're all doing anapestic tetrameter. Like they, they have, they're, they're, they're being careful with that. They're not doing it as well as Dr. Seuss, but hey, who does? But right? hey. I'm not going to throw stones there. Um, uh, but, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, um, 
Okay. Yeah. So we yeah. have our introduction to the Grinch. We have our introduction to the Who's. We have our introduction to the Who's through the Grinch, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for tomorrow he knew dot 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 right and then we get into the merry merry right uh and the picture of the big party and the presence and the, and noise, the noise, noise 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 yeah. right right the chaos of who children playing on christmas morning um and of course in a in any poem as rhythmical as this the thrice repeated Noise, no, you know, like that, that, um, spondy is the technical poetic term when you equal syllables. That's the one thing he hated the noise, 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 noise. Um, first in non caps and then in capital letters. Then we get it again with feast, 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 and then we get it again with sing, 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 sing. Um, so the, and that seems to get all of this, all of this in, sort of interlude, right, about the who's. This is all coming from the Grinch's memory, right? He's not, none of this is happening live. This is all what he's seeing and what he's imagining, right? And so these clashes, these arrhythmical, these very noticeable, jarring arrhythmical clashes, um, noise, 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 feast, 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 sing, 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 are all like the Grinch and the Who's, right? Sort of like the Grinch clashing up against them, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Um, so, one thing I would point out is that we get nothing but the Grinch for a really long time, even after mm-hmm. this in the book, right? We get his perceptions of everything that's going on. But his like you said, it's all through his lens. Yeah. His plans. We get Max, but we don't get anything from Max. He is Max, Max is a basically a piece of furniture in the book, right? He calls Max to be the reindeer. You've got to play the role of the reindeer, right? He hitched up old Max, and he says, giddy up. Um, and then he goes down, and of course, Dr. Seuss is a really funny comedic artist and so we get like poor pooped Max sitting here by the sleigh while the Grinch is about to go down the chimney Um, but again the Grinch is doing all his thieving stuff and again still it's all him notice of course he's almost the only one in color right the red (laughs) of his Christmas coat Um, the, the, the color thing is really interesting right I assume that this was published and they could only afford four colors Um, So there are just a few different shades that they do. Um, But his choice of white, it's, you know, just um, it's it's black lines. Right. And then Mm -hmm. the red. Um, And that's the transformation of the Grinch. Right. Which you'll notice happens when he has his brainwave lines around his head, right? When he has his wonderful, Mm -hmm. awful idea, which is like this red radiance that shines off his head and then he makes his red Christmas suit, Santa Claus suit and and now he is standing out um, with other highlights like, you know, and so you get him in the Christmas stuff and that's all that you can see. Anyway, point is, he's still the only character. We've not seen, it's the, the first time we hear 
anything from any other character in the entire book is Cindy Lou Who. Right? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? Is the first time we hear anyone else's perspective or see anyone else do anything other than Max under the control of the Grinch. Right? Okay. But this is not an analysis of the entire book, so I'll go back. Um, but just to emphasize the solitariness of the Grinch. This is really mm-hmm. a Grinch story from the beginning. Even the Who stuff, again, is in this sort of, like, Grinch parenthesis, right? As he's yes. as he's thinking of it. Um, we get almost no uh, interiority of the Grinch. Right? Remember in that very first stanza, please don't ask why, no one quite knows the reason, right? Yeah, there's no background, there's no, you know origin story of why he hates things so much yeah we also don't really get any personality from him do we there's there's no vision of what the inside of his cave looked like which i'm thinking of the films we've got lots of that right we get a lot of elaboration there all Mm -hmm. we get is the little shots of like when he's sewing his costume Mm -hmm. we get a little shot of his uh, like his mirror right as he's looking for that's it him standing in mm-hmm. front of his mirror. So the Grinch in his cave has a floor-length mirror. That's all. That's all that we know about the inside of his mm-hmm. cave. Yeah. 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 Um, we're told that his heart is two sizes too small. Um, that, um, though even that is speculation, we're told it's the most likely reason, mm-hmm. right? Um, now... Uh, Phil asks a good question. Is it me or is the Grinch not actually wearing shoes? It's, I I don't know. It's one of the weird things about the Grinch. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the Grinch looks like. Does the Grinch have hair? I, I ask this because look at this first picture. He's got pockets. He's got his <laughs> hands in his pockets. Well, and I loved that about, um, which one was it? The Jim Carrey one where he takes off his socks, shoes. And I just thought those were his feet. And, right. Oh, he has feet that look like feet. Well, he might, right? Because yeah. apparently, I mean, we're told that his shoes are too tight, but Phil's exactly right that he doesn't appear to be wearing shoes, but we're told that he is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I thought that was, I think it was in the 2018 film um, when he like takes a bath and blow dries himself and he's, he's all his covered with green on. hair and then he puts mm-hmm. on his pants which is an identical suit of green hair mm-hmm. right and straps it up over him so that he like they, they, they really play with the like is this his body is this his clothes mm-hmm. nobody can tell the difference they're exactly the same you know kind of thing um, and that seems to be I mean I think it's very possible that the Grinch is himself just like an ugly person here, designed to be an ugly, an ugly sort of person, um, wearing like a suit of some of some kind, or I get because he seems to interact with it as if he were, um, mm-hmm. but because um, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think if there are places where his shoes are more evident, but um, let's see. How about the, in front of that mirror? Yep, you can see he's got a little ruffle on his shoes now. Now he's definitely got shoes, just like in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but that looks like it matches the ruffs on his shirt and hat and Santa Claus hat. So I think he's decorated his shoes. So presumably he had those shoes, which looked identical to his legs. Anyway, is he wearing leggings, overalls? Who knows exactly what he's doing? 
But again, we as readers are not really encouraged to ask these questions. Right. Any questions we might have about the Grinch and his background are sort of waved off here at the beginning. It could be that his, you know, his, it could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. Um, but man, there, um, so many immortal lines. Yeah. But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's. Such a good line. Oh, and I saw somebody <laughs> emphasizing um, uh, emphasizing the um, why, why is who italicized, right? Or asking the question about who's being. And I, I think he's italicized it because he wants to emphasize that it's their name, right? Like he knows the fact that there's a certain ambiguity here. Right. The word who is interrogative pronoun in English. Right. And so he's using a word which is not only not normally a name, but not normally a noun. Right. And he's using it in italics um, when he says every who down in Whoville, if he doesn't put the word who in italics there, you might potentially mistake it for the for the 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 interrogative pronoun. Right. Um so I think that's why he's doing that. But of course, it doesn't change the fact that it does give the story, I think, an almost inescapable allegorical overtone, right? The who's down in Whoville. It's like, who, who's, who, who's down in Whoville? Who is down in Whoville? Like, it's like the who's are anyone. They could be anyone. Who are they? They could mm-hmm. be anyone, right? That's like... A, um, you know, sort of generic everyman village, right? Whoville is in some sense. At least that's the impression that I think the choice of the word who uh, makes in um, in doing that. Um, so I don't think, Phil, that that means we're supposed to be adding emphasis, um, verbal emphasis, when you read it. Um, but I also think that you will find that it's very rare that the word who is not stressed in the line anyway. For he knew every who down in Whoville beneath. Um, hating the who's, all the who girls and boys. I mean, it's, it. then the who's, young and old. I mean, it's it's almost always going to be uh, emphasized. Um, in, the, in the meter, I mean. And if it's not, pay a lot of attention to that line, because it's important, I promise. Um, okay, so... First, um, yes, and of course people are, uh, needless to say, making Abbott and Costello jokes um, about who's on first. But that's exactly kind of the, the point. point, right? Yeah. Um, he's not doing that kind of a play. Like, it's not that kind of comedy, um, which involves, right, miscommunication, people not understanding what's going on because mm. the nouns are being replaced with interrogative adjectives, but... Um, or sorry, interrogative pronouns. Um, but um, but it's it is it strikes me as very similar. And of course, Abbott and Costello significantly predates by decades uh, this book. So um, that was definitely kind of um, in the air. Not again. Not that I don't think there's any sentence. Um, at least not that I can remember off the top of my head. 
which are misunderstandable in an Abbott and Costellian way. Right? Can't think of any. And right. I, I mean, yeah. it also doesn't mean that he wanted it to reflect that. It just no. means that people might make that connection. Right. And that's not, it's, it's, uh, that's, it's, it's not the kind of joke that he is, that Dr. Seuss seems to be going for here, but he's well aware of that kind of mm-hmm. joke. And again, I think it's one of the reasons why he italicizes it too. Um, okay. So, uh, anything else you want to emphasize about the I mean, book before we go to the Yeah, comments? I find it really hard not to just go straight <clears throat> to comparing because especially also just with the 1966 one, if we want to have this be a bridge, he was a producer on it. So it's it's an extremely close adaptation. <coughs> it's using all the words. Yes. It's using the imagery that we know from the text. And he was involved with the creative process. So it can be quite difficult, I think, to separate the two. And it was 1966. Like, this is so far before yes. people had to think really massively about audience reaction and adaptation practice. You know, like, this wasn't in the realm of, which is also really cool, because that means it was a pretty natural thing to just take A and make it B. Um, yes. Yeah, with, with the text, I just think it's really important to look at the perspective of who we're getting information from, Grinch, um, and the visuals that we've got in place like, there's not any extra. It's just what we need to see. There's an establishing shot of that of him up in his cave looking down. So you can see that he's literally above the town looking down yep. um, at the town <clears throat> and can probably hear them. And from his vantage point, he thinks he sees all. But really, he doesn't see anything at all. Right. So... Just that establishment. Yes, I agree. I was struck by one... Thinking of the opening now. Two. So I was re-watching the beginning. 1966, yeah? Yeah, 1966. And there were two things that struck me as very interesting. One is where it begins. The words begin where this begins, right? We start with just the beginning of the poem as is, with no variation. But that's not where the visuals begin. The visuals are, we get like, okay, I didn't count exactly how long, but like a lot of Whoville. A minute. We get a a full minute of Who's. Of Whoville. Independent Whoville before we even are introduced to the Grinch. There's like 45 seconds of credits and then there's a full minute of who's building community, helping each other, making festivities happen. There's yes. no dialogue. It's just a community coming together to celebrate and create a holiday. With the, it's a, with, with their Christmas music playing. Right, mm-hmm. as Joy, well. levity, happy. And then there's this really beautiful shot that I actually took a screenshot and was going to send to you. But there's a really beautiful shot where it's um, welcome to Whoville in a circle and through the circle you see the tree going up yes. so it's just this really nice like pull our focus into the heart of the town so yes. it's a welcome and a tree going up it's just really lovely yeah that and there's those a solid two things minute are, of that yeah that those two things are associated together mm-hmm. right and the circular welcome to whoville thing is a preparation for the circle of singing who's 
which is going to open to embrace the Grinch on his sleigh coming down at the end. It also it also legit just felt like a portal to me because yeah. this is such a quirky, funky little place. It just felt like a, a little portal entry into this fantasy world. Yeah. So there are, and I think that there are several effects that this has on our imagination and on our, like where it's putting us. Because remember, we don't, we get, hang on, we don't get nothing. We get this. We get the picture of the one little who holding the huge wreath and um, one line of poetry. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. That's it. They we could know. be crazy for all we know. Yeah. They could, right. They could be axe murderers every other day of yep. the year. We have no idea right. what that means. Um, yeah. We just know that they like Christmas a lot. Now, admittedly, this little guy <laughs> looks fairly cheerful and harmless. Um, but yes, we're given nothing Looks else other than Chucky. that. Um, and the way that you get both the page, the, the echo of the line, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. Um, and the, the, the all caps on not. And the, 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 the swelling up from the little tiny picture to the big picture of the Grinch with the whole, the whole landscape shot, the whole establishing shot, right, of his of his lonely cave and the, and the, the, the ice and snow. Um, even his living North of Whoville is an interesting kind of like on the one mm -hmm. hand, like the North being associated as is emphasized in this picture with, uh, with cold. This is a very Northern hemisphere bias, right? Um, the North being associated with, uh, with snow and cold and inhospitable surroundings, right? But of course, it's also associated with Christmas, with Santa mm -hmm. Claus, with the North Pole as well. Um, and so that and that's the kind of irony, right, of him later on, his um, wonderfully awful idea of disguising himself as Santa Claus. And now he's going to be the um, the anti Santa. Right. He's going to be the, the the parody of Santa Claus as uh, as he comes down into the town. Um even his stance here, too, it, it just looks judgmental. You know, the hands in his pockets, the slumped against the side. And Edith is asking about the significance of the fact that he lives in a cave. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that he lives in a cave is just closed off. It's cold. It's dark. It's not welcoming. It's potentially inhospitable. Like, it does not have the cozy that the Who's tend to have. Yeah, it's just, it's just a dark cave. Notice there are those white specks in the cave, which I thought at first was like, are those lights in the background? But no, it's snow. If you look up on the, the snow falling, snow falling in front Ooh. of the cave that we could, we just can't see it most places because it's uh, white, yeah, yeah. but you can see it up on the top right of the image. Um, mm -hmm. The little, the, the, the snowflakes. So in fact, no, that's outside the cave. We don't, is mm -hmm. it warm? Is it snug? Is it cheerful? Is it well apportioned? Does he decorate nicely? We have no idea. Right. It could be anything. Is it, right? a, it could be a cozy hobbit hole, but it's not the vibe that we get from right. this. Right, no. exactly. We don't yeah. know what kind of hole it's... Does it, is it filled with the, filled with the ends of worms and a new yeah. smell? It could be. Um, but, um, uh, but also, notice he's looking right at us. Mm-hmm. Almost right at us. I guess his nose is a little bit off to the side, but his eyes look like they're right at us. I think he's pretty much right at us. I think he's pretty much right. Maybe a tiny bit off right, but yeah, yeah, he's he's more than anything staring our way. Not not into Whoville. Yeah, 
Yeah. Hmm. Um, Interesting. No, he's. Um, <clears throat> this is. Uh, this is about. It's almost. A, it's almost accused. Like it again. It includes us. It lumps us in with the who's. Right. Mm-hmm. We get in the first line. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. Who doesn't like Christmas? Everybody likes Christmas, right? Well, if that's your reaction when you read that first line, the Grinch is looking at you, right? The Grinch did not. Um, <laughs> and notice his eyes are the only thing colored in the entire image, right? His eyes really mm-hmm. pop out at us, and they're staring straight mm-hmm. at us. Um, but anyway, back to the film. Yeah. Like, we, that's a really interesting choice that we get all this Grinchness in the text, but we get a full minute of who's in the film. So we are being real. invited. I love that point about the welcome portal and arch. Like, the film is going out of its way to bring us into the who spirit. To, we, mm-hmm. we are supposed to. I, I, it's impossible, I think, not to look at it and feel that we're supposed to admire and our own spirit of community and conviviality and everything else is being stirred up by um, those shots of the Who's down in Whoville, which makes the Grinch stand out even more, right? When they transition Mm -hmm. up the hill to the cave of the Grinch and we see the Grinch, who is green for the first time because there's no green in this book, right? Um, Uh we see the now green Grinch staring uh, out. And he's, in the film, he's like chewing a stick. He's got like a toothpick or something mm-hmm. that he's chewing. So mm-hmm. still that kind of like, just like he's lounging to the side with his ankles crossed and his hands in his pockets, that kind mm-hmm. of casual, I don't really care, I'm not really... Um, um, you know, I'm not presenting myself to you. I'm not, uh, you know, this is... Uh, he's the cool kid. He's wearing a leather jacket and he's got a cigarette in his pocket. You exactly. know, like, yeah. he doesn't care. He doesn't care about you. Yeah. Yeah, that seems to be something like the Grinch's attitude, right? Mm-hmm. Um, both, I think, in the film and the um, and the book. Um, yeah, and even... Um, you know, Tim, what you were talking about, about his how small his cave looks. Yeah, we don't, again, it's marvelous, right? We don't know what's in there. But we have no reason to think it's enormous, right? I mean, he's, he's, um, what we see of it looks dark and rough. I mean, the edges of the cave are, I mean, it's, it's not, Maybe it's a cozy hobbit hole behind, but it doesn't have a nice round door or anything like that, right? There's no door at mm-hmm. all. Um, it's it's just a rough cave opening. Um, and we see the snow apparently snowing into, perhaps, the opening of the door. So, um, I think so, there's a cozy door behind him. You know, this possible. could just be the vestibule. We don't know, but right, right. it doesn't look welcoming and cozy. Right. It certainly doesn't. And he doesn't, mm. again, doesn't really seem to care. Um uh, nor are we, I think, really invited to care much about it. Um, uh, the one thing I love this about the text. Um, then he, uh, tomorrow is Christmas. It's practically here. Um, by the way, like in my household, 
we are obligated to say that every Christmas Eve. Like nobody can say tomorrow is Christmas without adding it's practically here uh, at the end of the line. Like that's, that is like, no one would even think of doing that. Um, tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. Um, again, such a, such a marvelous line. Um, uh, Sorry, like when you're doing anapestic lines, mm-hmm. when you're doing anapestic lines and you're using three syllable words, you're you're a boss. I mean, like <laughs> you're just a boss, especially if you're not, um, if you're not just trying to take advantage of like a a word which naturally has that meter. Oh man, so good. Um, that's beautiful. I had to go through it, just reading through it again. Yes, like, then he growled with again. his Grinch mm-hmm. fingers, nervously drumming. Um, <laughs> but that moment, the nervously drumming fingers of the Grinch, is one of the <clears throat> few glimpses of interiority that we get. He's nervous. Mm, nervous. Right? He has this, like, physical tick. Um, yeah, I don't think of nervous in this instance, though, of, like somebody's going to make fun of him. I'm shy. This right. nervous is like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm twitchy. He's yeah. anti switchy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, yes. Um, and, uh, and of course I, I do think that the nerves, as you say, it's nerves in a, an older, not quite in the Mrs. Bennett of pride and prejudice <laughs> sense, yeah. but closer to that, I think actually than the way that we use the word in the nervous modern context, still. Yeah. Like, I'm nervous because I'm going up to give a talk in front of people or something like that. Right. Um, it's, it's a um, nervous condition. It's a nervous condition. And of course, remember what he's segueing into. He's segueing into the noise, 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 right? He hates the disruption. He hates it. bothers him, right? Um, it gets on his nerves, as we still say, though we don't really know what that even means anymore. Um, the actual phrase. It's become a dead phrase in modern English. Um, like just a way to kind of vaguely convey it bothers me, right? Mm-hmm. But we no longer know what it means for something to be on your nerves in that. In that, It has a new definition. Yeah, well, it has like no definition. It's just, it's... There's we a all bunch know of, what it means. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch of phrases yeah. like that, which people have no... And that's why they make mistakes about phrases mm-hmm. like that. Like... Um, like toe the line people don't know mm-hmm. what it is what that image is and so that's why they misspell it t-o-w the line so often mm-hmm. when they write it out because they don't know what they're saying like it's t-o-e the line like you're you're lining up I and you're putting your toes line. on the line um mm-hmm. uh but we don't use the the verb toe anymore in that way and so i so many times i see people do anyway point is this happens with phrases we still have the phrase but anyway yes i agree his Grinch fingers nervously drumming, but that's still like we're getting a sense of it's one of the few things that betray something about him. About yeah, it, it's giving us is. a real, it's giving us a moment. And like he just said, like he could just be an introvert. Exactly. Like I think this is just painting him as somebody that doesn't want to participate in all the noise, 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 and the joy, joy, joy. That doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means they're separate from the crowd. And we know a lot more about that now than they did back in Whoville. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, no one quite knows the reason why he hated mm-hmm. Christmas so much, right? But also really interesting that both of the, both of the modern adaptations gave us reasons. They drew oh, backstories. Yes. Oh, yes. my word, did And that's they? one of the reasons <laughs> why I was emphasizing that line. Because I, yeah. 
And which is a really, you know, necessary thing in storytelling. Like, your villain needs to have a purpose to be bad for you to have any kind of sympathy and to see an arc of change from A to B in that character. So to just have a simple Grinch in this one who just hates Christmas kind of works because that's the story that they're telling here. But if you want to make a feature film and bring in all these other peripheral characters and give them purposes like single moms struggling to get things done and, you know, sexy next door neighbor trying to win a lights competition or whatever it happens to be yes. that yes. you need more <clears throat> to fill out your villain yeah. if you're going to fill out everybody else too. Yeah, and oh my goodness, what we do not have time for, but would be like a fascinating, like a literary critical slash sociological crossover study would be the depiction of Cindy Lou Who in oh my. these four. I mean, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> Baby two. Oh, oh God, when she started singing, Corey, I'd forgotten. I blocked it out. The Jim Carrey one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. Yeah, the, uh, yes, there was weirdness there, and um, um, and even like the the Cindy Lou Who, and as you say, the like Cindy Lou Who in the context of single, like older child of single parent. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, the whole. There's a lot there. There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot. Um, but going but that's back not to the what original we're talking text. about. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, let's go back. Let's so go back. The whole, okay. I mean, like my main takeaway of the 1957 text, the 1966 film, was giving us that turn of portrayal that everything we saw was through the Grinch, and then all of a sudden everything we see is is of the Who's first. So instead of being interested in the Grinch's perspective on the town and knowing nothing about the town we're probably more likely to believe the Grinch. We might not align ourselves with him because this dude hates Christmas. So therefore he's clearly not okay. Right. You know, we've established that, but the film gives us a minute of joy and peace and laughter and optimism and festivities and loveliness. Right. So that aligns our, us completely yeah, differently. That, that's our frame. That's our anchor, mm -hmm. right? For the whole rest of the thing and mm -hmm. contextualizes the Grinch. But here's the other thing that jumped out at me about the film which I think was an enormous adaptation choice. Max. The way in which Max steals the becomes show. The character becomes... Isn't his name in Rapunzel? Isn't the horse also named Max? Oh, is it it's, named that's Max? That's what I like... Maximus, yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, Maximus, yeah, 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 you're right. That's where I immediately went. I was like, that is like the best animal character I've ever seen on film is Max the horse from Rapunzel. And yeah, rewatching the 1966, I was like, oh, there yeah, he is. Yeah, the dog. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's, so on the one hand, they, you know, they take the visuals from the book. Yeah, I mean, it's Dr. Mm -hmm. Seuss drawing him. So, you know, he draws him. And of course, the, the iconic single reindeer horn tied to his head, which again is consistent across all versions, uh, you know, of uh, of Max. Um, oh yes, uh, yeah. The, I didn't mean tangled. Tangled, yeah, yeah. yeah the the Rapunzel yeah. one, yeah. Um. Uh. Anyway, yeah. So uh, this is like again, apart from like a few places where Max is also involved, you know, because he's tied to the sled. Max isn't a character in mm -hmm. this story, not in the book. Um. But I, I'm I'm talking about Max. I had to go way up past where we stopped looking at the opening of the book because Max appears nowhere, but he's there from the beginning. Um, in fact, 
that line we were just talking about that he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. Do you remember the visual in the film? Mm-hmm. He's drumming on Max's head. On his head. Yeah. And we're getting... So Max becomes our, like, intermediary. Like, mm-hmm. we get we take our cues from Max. And uh, also, I, I think I've said this before in the show, there's a whole trope in filmmaking called The Man Who Kicks the Dog. So, like, you know he's a bad guy if he kicks a dog. And the first shot is him doing this and being really patronizing and thinking that this thing is an object that we all obviously love because he's a dog. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. painting a different picture much more quickly. Yes, exactly. So we, we are... Uh, the, the character of Max... Well, I don't know. I think it's it's complicated, right? Because on the one hand, Max clearly loves the Grinch. Like, that he has a dog, and a dog who seems to love him as much as Max does. We don't get Max's affection for the Grinch in the book, right? But in the right. film, we see... I mean, there's a complicated relationship. He's a, abusive to Max, and that's used for comedy more in 1966 than it would be nowadays. Um, I don't know. The, ni- the 19... Um, no, the 2018 one. That, Ma- that was pretty heavy on Max, and he was definitely in an abusive relationship, and then the reindeer came and challenged him, and he was jealous of him, and, you know, like... The... I felt that they depicted the Grinch... Well... He's exploitative of Max. He takes Max for granted, mm. right? Um, he exploits Max, but he wasn't abusive in the sense of like actually picking him up and chucking him. No, uh, and I didn't see what Max got out of the relationship, so it definitely didn't feel like a healthy. Do we ever really understand what dogs get out of the relationship? <laughs> but but anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm, um, I love that I'm going on about the virtues of Max's loyalty, and I don't know what he got from this relationship. Yeah. I, a cave? Yeah. A cave, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, but yeah, Max's... The, 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 this is a sort of facile thing to say, is that Max adds comic relief um, to the story. Which he does. Um, I mean, the scene that my ki- uh, in that entire film that my kids always loved most was the scene where the the sled catches up and goes over Max, and then he turns around and Max is sitting in the back of the sleigh, <laughs> and then like waves at him like this, like that gesture, that like smile and the wave from Max in the back of the sled is uh, is like the the iconic moment that my kids love most about that about that entire film um and um yeah phil i think that that's right the max gives us a clue that there might be something in the grinch that we mm-hmm. can love yes that there might be something lovable he's not clearly in a lovable place right um they're not trying to pretend that he's a good person um in the in the 66 film i mean um but yes, that, that, that there is something that Max is loyal to, that there's something that we don't see. Um, yeah. It does. It, that, I think that's exactly the possibility that it holds up. Um, but, um, but again, Max becomes Max's reactions, which are ex- very extreme, right? Of like sadness or of cheerfulness or of eagerness. And um, he, he offers almost in places, almost a sort of running commentary on what the Grinch is doing and thinking 
including of like um, he Max is not approving of the plan, right? Um, and so the way that Max ends up basically distancing us from the Grinch, whereas again the book just gives us we are invited kind of briefly indirectly to connect with the who's in that one line in the little picture on the very first page and then wham Grinch and as we said all Grinch perspective all the time not that we're asked to sympathize with him I do think that that image where he's glaring straight at us does kind of distance us like he's not he's not asking us to connect with him he's not asking us to feel sorry for him Um, he's standing there aloof and meaning to be aloof but he's looking straight at us right Max is the one looking straight at us all the time. Um, Hmm. All the time. He's looking, when he's not looking at the Grinch, he's looking straight into the camera. He interacts with the audience constantly uh, in the 1966 version. Um, uh, Yeah. And then, Edith, you bring up the third thing, which is, I think, the most remarkable adaptation choice, possibly the most, and that's the song. Mm. The addition of the classic, iconic, uh, you're a mean one, one, Mr. Grinch song. Mm -hmm. Um, Written by Dr. Seuss. Yes. Um, Oh, man, I can't even. I'm not going to get into a poetic analysis of that. That sounds like a different episode, but that would be fun. it, It is so striking. Oh, my goodness. It is so striking the way that that. Um, I was just going to say sung by Tony the Tiger. Yeah, the guy that voiced Tony the Tiger also did I didn't this. realize that was the same mm-hmm. guy who did Tony the Tiger. It makes sense when you say it. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's actually like a... F- I'm sorry, I'm off on this tangent now. That is a fun thing. You should read the story and then do an analysis of the songs. Like Merry Christmas from Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, man, yeah. So the... Um, uh yes the um yeah the intervention of the song um is a huge huge addition um especially because of the role that it that it plays um but um Anyway, it's it's really um, okay. Well, I'll just tell you briefly what is most striking about it is the way he's trying so hard to focus. I know, I am. The way in which the song lapses, it's the only part of the film that that completely breaks poetic meter entirely. Like you know, um, uh, the three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote. it's it's um yeah anyway it's interesting it's really he's interesting. fighting so hard i am okay we, I am. we have to schedule this the people want it i want yeah. it <laughs> we'll look at we'll look at songs well i'm interested to talk about songs in the 2018 version too but um we'll get there. Yeah. um in the meantime so we get to the 2000 and the 2018 versions of the Grinch, right? Okay. And 
one, the first big choice that you see, as you've mentioned, well, no, wait, you didn't mention this explicitly, but let's just say flatly they're longer, right? Yes. They make the thing into feature film length story, which means they're not just changing the quantity of story, they're changing the kind of story that it is. And the depth. Yeah, exactly. It's not, I mean, the original one was 25 minutes. It's a reading of the story with pictures to tie it all together fluidly, not turning to the pages. And if I could uh, indulge in a brief but relevant uh, tangential rant, um, this is what always drove me bananas about the complaints about making The Hobbit into three films. Mm. Um, Again, it is not at all that I would argue that that was done skillfully. The point is when people said, oh, they're taking this little children's book and they're making it into three films, it's just a money grab, like, which is, of course, a ridiculous... Of course, they're trying to make money. Who makes a movie without trying to make money? Like, that's, that's, a, that's a stupid thing to say. But apart from that, um, the thing that was not even, like... The fact that they were taking the story, which is a much shorter story in the book, and turning it into a much longer story is not a sign that they are doing some kind of harm. It's a sign that they have made some particular... They're going to tell it in a different mode. They're going to make it... Yeah, is it going to be a different story? Yeah, it's totally Mm going to be a different story. And that's very much like what happens with with the Jim Carrey 2000 Grinch and the 2018 Grinch. They're going to take this children's book, which you can read through in less than five minutes, and they're going to make it into... Um, actually, I didn't time it. Maybe it's more than five minutes, but it's not much more, if so. Um, and they're going to make it into a feature film, right? That shift is way more than Hobbit book into three films. Way more. Um, and when you do that, when you make that choice, there are... there, there are th- That choice... That is generally a choice to say, I'm going to tell this story in a very different mode, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so, yeah, the primary thing that we get is the history of the Grinch, right? We get a whole origin story. Motivation. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we get... Jilted, orphan, you know, whatever... whatever hurt they give them, but they give him hurt. So you can see a reason why he's separated from the community. Who is the Grinch? What is his relationship with Whoville? What is what are the Who's in Whoville like? Right? We never. What, yeah. What I found really interesting between, I guess, the Jim Carrey one versus the others is the depiction of the Who's, because mm-hmm. in the 1966 and the 2018, the Who's are pure and lovely, nice community, friendly, beautiful yes. places, you know. And the opening of the 19, of the 2001. Every single angle is a Dutch angle, which means the camera is skewed. So you are constantly just feeling weird, unnerved. It unnerved. it does not feel welcoming. Yes. Everybody's money grabbing, you know, money grabbing frenzied, and money throwing. Yes. Money grabbing, money throwing, frenzied uh, capitalist society of Christmas. And it just starts with that. So it's immediately showing you that the Who's have something to learn here, too. Mm-hmm. Not just the Grinch kind of coming to them. And I thought that was a really interesting decision so you know the fact that that was the first major adaptation since the 1966 
Maybe they sat around a table saying, we've got to do something a little bit different. How about this? Yes. And we have vapid who's and we have poor who's and rich who's and less than desirable leaders and things like that, that we just haven't seen. Yes. And most strikingly, um, and I don't want to get too far into this because again, it's the whole thing and ends up it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not just an opening thing, but part of the that money grubbing, money chucking scene with the Who's is our first impression of Whoville. And you take that, as you say, you compare it with the 1966 opening with the Who's. Um, almost everybody, including the 1966 version, gives us way more Who's. In fact, starts mm-hmm. with a Who based context, essentially. Um, and before a happy we get the Who based context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a happy Who based context. Largely, though the 2001 mm-hmm. is the biggest. Uh, the, yeah, so the 2001's not. The two, uh, right, right, yep. The, the rest 18. of them do, yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and um, the. Um, what seems to be clearly set up in the opening scenes there, you've got Cindy Lou Who present, who is the one questioning, right? Who is basically. All beginning to point out kind of clumsily. I mean, it felt a little ham-fisted in the opening scenes. Um, though <laughs> criticizing a Jim Carrey film of being ham-fisted is a little bit uh, whatever. Anyway, point is uh, when she's basically saying like, why is everyone so materialistic and commercial? Like, is that mm-hmm. like, it seems like that, that we seem to be given a Whoville in that version of the story, which has itself lost touch with the true meaning of Christmas. And yeah. so everybody, the Grinch and the Who's alike are going to be discovering the true meaning of Christmas. So they seem to be setting out from the opening of the film to be making the lesson into a, a double edged lesson. Right. Rather Everybody's than, got an arc. Yeah. Rather than the Who's being this default awesomeness all the way through. And the question is just bringing the Grinch into the community, right? Mm-hmm. As he is, you know, the very last lines are him at the table carving the roast beast, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the end of the book. Um, once he is there in the midst of the community and has embraced them um, and who they are and what they do and sort of become like them, the story's over. There is an arc for the Grinch, but there's no arc for anybody else. Um, In the first feature film length version of the Grinch in 2000, they definitely, they wanted, it seemed to add more, more arc, right? More, um, um, more, not just an arc for the Grinch, not just to have the who's be sort of stable, um, the way that gets handled in the 2018 version seems to me a little bit, um, a little bit more complex. It's not like there's nothing that happens. There's story that develops among the Who's, right? Yeah, the 2018 version to me is very much of its time. I really wonder how it's going to age because it feels super modern context in a nice way. You know, these are really likable characters, but they're also very real characters. They have flaws. They aren't perfect. They do their best. They try hard. You know, but sometimes they deter from the path that they probably ought to do. But that's quite relatable, you know. So that's all really lovely. Whereas the 2020 or 2000 version, none of them are relatable. And I know that term is is tricksy anyway, relatable. But 
it's it's tough to kind of feel any compassion or connection with the Whoville from 2000. Whereas the 2018 one, I also, I, I forgot about the opening shot. The opening shot of the 2018 version starts with a crane shot. So you're like over the top of Whoville and then you dive into it and you are on skis with those birds skiing yes. down a slope. It literally brings you into the story as one of the characters and you're seeing it the same way they do. And it's like drone footage. So bringing us in that way, I already feel like I'm part of Whoville and I'm delighted. It sounds so fun. I want to live there. Whereas right. the, the 2001, it's just Dutch angle after Dutch angle and, and it worked. I felt gross. I didn't want to watch it anymore. Yeah, it 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 does feel gross. Um, mm -hmm. And there isn't... It is one of the interesting effects is that there's no... Um, there's no kind of resting point, right? There's no... Um, we're distant... For, I, we, you don't like Whoville. You don't like the Grinch. Again, theoretically, everything is supposed to be, you know, brought together and and happy by the end. Um, but there is not. It doesn't provide that that framework there. For Nor us. the warm and fuzzy. You know, it's yeah. just missing that kind of element that is sweet. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes. Um, the introduction to the Grinch. Let's talk about the introduction to the Grinch. The introduction to the Grinch in the book is this. You turn the page and wham, he's staring right at you with those, you know, dusky pink eyes that are the only colored thing on the on the on the screen on the page. Right. Mm -hmm. In the um, in the. 66 film we get the text and the transition, but the Grinch, right? Um, and we zoom up pretty quickly, like we're down in Whoville, and then we zoop, zoom up the, the hill, and there he is standing outside his cave entrance just like this. Um, but we don't get him staring straight at us, I don't think, in the this same posture exactly okay. uh, in the film version. Um, but um, But we still do get him wandering into his house, we get Max and Max's happy little doggy tail wag. And again, Max changes the whole scene as far as making it feel home-like. Um, and him running around and wanting to be, um, um, uh, him wanting to be in, um, uh, him wanting to be involved. Um, In the, remember how we get introduced to the Grinch in the 2000 version? The 2000 version sets up this big transitional scene, right? Mm -hmm. Where we have that, I agree with you, frankly uncomfortable scene down in Whoville, right? With everybody doing their Christmas shopping and chucking money around. And then um, we get those four teenagers climbing the hill, mm -hmm. you know, with the girls daring the guys to go and touch the Grinch's door. Which establishes him as like a weird myth and lore element that people talk about, which does not paint Whoville in a pretty light either, because it really does make the Grinch look like more of a victim. Yeah, it's a very Boo Radley vibe, right? Mm -hmm. um, with those with those teenagers, though also made slightly weird to me by the fact that those teenagers looked about 30, all four of them. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, they're... Um, they're climbing up the mountain and they're, and then they get scared off by the huge 
scaring off teenagers machine that the Grinch has, which Max is deploying, right? Um, and then it transitions to the Grinch and we see it's food, right? Mm-hmm. We hear his voice mm-hmm. off screen. We see his hand. There's this pile of like um, s- sloppy, greasy looking vegetables and roots and tubers and things that he mm-hmm. seems to have. And he che- this is when he takes an onion and bites the onion and we see the onion in his mouth, right? It's the first. So we, we see his hand. We hear his voice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he takes the... Uh, he picks up the onion, and then we see the bottom half of his face, right, Eating. biting into the onion, and we see the onion dripping out of his mouth and flying out of his mouth when he's calling after Max. Um, Which is a classic uh, slow reveal of your monster, right. bit by bit. Bit by bit. And then we see his whole face, and then we see Jim Carrey do the Grinch smile thing, right? Um, which does, in fact, look eerily like the 1966 you yes. know, cartoon grin um, that the uh, uh, that the Grinch does. I don't think even in the book it's quite as pronounced as it was in the film. No, see he and in this the parallel version um, in the book, he just has this sort of a gentle smile with his pink eyes again, mm-hmm. right? Um, that uh, really sharp up- upward hooking whole face grimaced. Uh, smile with the hair rolling out straight, right, that we get in the film. Um, that much, much more evil smile which Jim Carrey is imitating. Again, admittedly, remarkably <laughs> in, in, the, in, the, in the 2000 film. Um, we, anyway, we finally we, we get that. Um, then both films well, hang on. We didn't talk about the introduction of the Grinch in the. So you're right. Total movie monster reveal approach to the 2000 Grinch. Yeah, and wasn't it also the 2001 where, yeah, the opening opening shot is going inside of a snowflake, and it looks like DNA. Yes. And then we have the world of Whoville is inside of a single snowflake. So that also places it in our existing world, which I thought was an interesting choice. But yeah. it makes it very not our world because there's DNA inside a snowflake and there's a whole world there. Okay. Right. Right. Um, I, I was taking that as um, um, as a, like another kind of nod to the sort of quasi allegorical nature of the Who's in Whoville. Anyway, like this is mm-hmm. this story is a story that plays out here you know everywhere throughout you can find this story playing out everywhere throughout our world right um just as again they're the in whoville they're they're the who's in whoville who mm-hmm. are they they're everybody right um and uh, that was the yeah. yeah that was the similar text that we had in the opening of the 2018 past the place where you come from far beyond what you see is a town like your town if your town was a dream so it's again placing us in something that's familiar, but it's not of your world. It's similar. It's just of a dream. Yes. Um, and uh, props to them for getting the meter right in that last line, though the rhyme could be a lot better, but that's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Fine. Agreed. The the connection to dream there. Um they're making it 
they do want to con- so the relatability right in all of these dimensions seems to be applicability right mm-hmm. um, again that sort of quasi-allegorical applicability right you were supposed to see that this is a dynamic that could happen you know we don't have to be like the but there's a little grinch in all of us right that kind of thing um, or this temptation towards grinchiness um, or whatever it is okay the introduction to the Grinch in the 2018 version is quite remarkable and altogether different, right? The Grinch's house, holy cow. He's amazing. It's quite amazing. His morning routine is the stuff of dreams. I yeah. mean, yeah, he's an engineer. He's kind of mastered the whole stay-at-home mantra. Yes, yes. That moment of panic when he realizes he's out of food. Right. And how much emotional eating have I been doing? The cutaway there is, I mean, talk yes. about painting a picture of your character. Like, it's not just that his cupboards are out of food and he's grumpy that he has to go shopping. The cutaway is a sad, hysterical man. Like, <laughs> and being able to play that scene that makes us laugh instead of cry, that's so powerful. That's such a beautiful way to paint yep. an image of a character. So I love that. Yeah, how much emotional eating I've been doing. That is I'm a really funny shoveling scene. Shoveling spaghetti into <laughs> yeah, his mouth. With two forks. <laughs> My two-year-old daughter was like, ah. <laughs> Yes, yes. That was great. That was um, great. Yeah, no, it's, um, that was, um, it's very remarkable. But anyway, his house, right? I mean, yeah. his house is, um, it's interesting because I, I felt, I felt like, they were giving the Grinch almost just like a hint of Ebenezer Scrooge overlay there, Mm. you know, in making him like the wealthy, aloof miser. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, the the sense of wealth and the table, right? You know, the eating at this enormous table in an enormous hall makes him look like the wealthy miser with the huge dinner table and two chairs on opposite ends of the table and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? Um, uh, that um, that is a um, uh, it's a it's a radically different depiction of the Grinch. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Grinch as engineer, right, having designed all these things, which I have to admit, I think are much more successfully Susian, right, than the contraptions in uh, the Jim Carrey version. There were the some, which, yeah, there were some. Which, which had that kind of, and of course, by that, I'm, I'm, I'm primarily talking about, like, the the stuff that you see, like the instruments and everything when they're playing, and the, the, uh, the thing, which, again, of course, also, that was another major thing that they added in the 66 version, right? That whole sequence with mm-hmm. um, all of the... Uh, you know, impossible to pronounce Mm -hmm. words Mm -hmm. for the toys and everything, right? Mm -hmm. That sequence is not in the book. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's sort of taking this one picture of them. Remember the roller skate type of lacrosse and and croquet, right? Mm -hmm. Where in the book, you actually just see this one who hitting a ball with a huge mallet like croquet and another one with a literal lacrosse stick in his hands right and then in the film it's been made into this and there's like the one the big net which is like the thing that the ball goes through and anyway it's um uh it's 
you can see how this has been elaborated significantly mm -hmm. into the 1966 version. Um, but all of these, yes, these like wholly impractical twisted contraptions, contraptions. and things. Um, I thought that the Grinch's inventions were delightfully Susian in their appearance in the 2018 film. And delightfully functional, you know, yes. like even um, definitely the Grinch's. I mean, I think all of the things in his lair are just phenomenal and, and really well thought out. But even in town, you know, they had like it wasn't a snowplow. It was a snowplow that made snowballs so the kids yes. could play. Like yes. it was a triple decker bus with three platforms at each level so you could get on at the level that you wanted. <laughs> There's so many little attention to details. That you're like, that's why it works that way. And I just love that it was really functional. It, it felt yes. like an engineer had been consulted to create these contraptions. Whereas the 2001, well, visually, I think it looks a bit susy and like you could probably see a shot and be like, oh, obviously that was inspired by it kind of felt like there was like an art school or elementary school art competition. Like, what do you think the the car of the Grinch would look like? And yes. kids tried to come up with it and that's what they did. And you're like, well, I get it, but it's not quite the same as like really taking influence and moving through that process to make something Susian. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I love the 2018 stuff. Yeah. No, that was, that was, uh, um, that, 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 that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, yeah, so, um, the, well, what else was, what else? oh, yeah, I was, right, the, back to the introduction to the Grinch. Mm -hmm. Um, we, no, wait, we see him first lying in bed, right? We see him first, yes. That's right. Yes. We see him yes. first. The alarm goes off and he throws. Right. We see all the activity down in town. Right. And then we come up and then his alarm clock comes on and it's playing the radio and the radio is playing all Christmas carols and he throws stuff at it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then then we get Max doing his making the Grinch coffee routine. Right. Um, Going up his dumb waiter. Yeah, exactly. So the combination of the Grinch's resources and practicality all focused on him being able to do almost nothing by himself and still being able to have that ability to, to say that the Grinch is kind of a jerk because there's so many little hints of like Max coming up with the food tray on his head and positioning the tray right. under his hand before he goes up yes. to make sure that the Grinch never has to move his hand you know like there's a really dude like that's that's what you're doing but right. that shows us what kind of guy this is and that's right. a really great way to show it and 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 the thing that was interesting about that and this is why i was thinking why i was not um when i said i thought that in 19 the 1966 version he was much more abusive to max than he mm -hmm. was in the later version because there what we see like is he exploiting max yes he certainly is um but the main sort of issue in his relationship with Max is that he's not grateful to Max for all that he does. Max seems quite happy to serve the Grinch and loves yeah. to serve the Grinch. I, I, the, my favorite one was like right after the coffee, 
right? How he goes and he pokes his slippers out so his the Grinch's slippers mm-hmm, are right under right. the tape. Yeah, under and the, the bed. expression on animated Max's face. He's so happy and cheerful. Like mm-hmm. he he loves his job, right? Um, he loves to do all these things for the Grinch, but the Grinch, um doesn't even notice or think about these things, right? Like Mm -hmm. he just wants these, it's like these things just happen and he, you know, his own convenience is served automatically as if Max himself were part of the machinery, the very complex Mm -hmm. machinery, right? And so it sets up, you know, what I was anticipating from the beginning to be the sort of the plot arc there of his coming to appreciate Max better over the course of the, um, you know, of the entire story. Um, so that it isn't necessarily that Max like has to stop doing the things that he does to serve, uh, the, and indeed like the turn at the end, right. Is that Max begins undergoing his routine and then instead finds a present for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And that, so instead of him going up the dumbwaiter with the coffee, he goes to the dumbwaiter and there's a, a chew toy, you know, gift for him, um, a chew toy, which is not only, um, a present only for Max, right? Even a self-sacrificial present in the sense that it's going to annoy the Grinch, right? It squeaks, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, so it's it was in, in that way again. That's why it's, it's why it didn't feel like an abusive spirit from the beginning. It was mm-hmm. like a, a t- inappropriately taken for granted. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, it didn't feel abusive. It it felt. I don't know, just kind of overlordy without mm-hmm. being cruel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why, again, I was thinking of Scrooge. Like, it's yeah. a very wealthy landlord, the whole thing, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. An interesting comparison. Uh, I couldn't help, of course, but think of Wallace and Gromit um, mm. when I was watching that opening section. The whole, like, um, Mechanisms you know, and... Yeah, mechanical genius of contraptions and faithful dog friend right um i also went to emmett brown from back to the future so right you know right yeah <laughs> einstein yeah yeah um but um but anyway of course max and gromit are very different in that max never rolls his eyes like gromit is always doing um mm-hmm. and um yeah it's a fascinating sort of difference in dynamic but i was thinking about that like i was thinking about that actively i was i was noting how you know though gromit the dog and wallace and gromit never speaks um he's a very um expressive character expressive. yeah yeah you yeah. know exactly what he's thinking without and, having him say it and he is always although he is faithful to wallace he's always distant from him there's a there's a there's a significant disconnect there almost always right um and the kind of the the triangle between the viewer and wallace and gromit right which sometimes gromit the dog will actually like he will look back and forth between wallace and us right you yeah um like that anyway it's it's uh i didn't there was none of that distance with with max again it was you know max was all in Um, and I wasn't, uh, that the similarities between like the superficial similarities really kind of brought that home to me, um, the way that Max was being. So Max, the role of Max, which, you know, explodes on the screen in 1966 
becomes a real central point in the initial depiction of the Grinch's character in both. We see Max acting before we are introduced to the Grinch. Max acting as the Grinch's surrogate when the teenagers come up to try to touch the door in the 2000 version. Um, and we see Max acting as the Grinch's servant in the 2018 version. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's... Um, I mean, it, I think that's a, a good little case study, too. You know, that just made me start to think about all the different little characters that we have and, and the different points that they're each trying to make. And I just keep thinking about writers' rooms. You know, it'd be so interesting to sit around the table in 1997 or whatever when they started pitching the 2000 version, thinking about well, we got to be different. Well, we got to build this out. We got to, you know, and the whole thing would just be to draw out a story. So almost, that almost feels like a first draft to me, you know, of like, mm -hmm. well, we, we tried that. Well, 2018 is going to do something a little bit different and give us characters that we care about and not lean so much into what we think should be here, but tell a good story, which is what we keep saying with adaptation. You just have to tell that good story. So giving us those dynamics of like a max we care about but not a cruel overlord, just a misunderstood one who was bullied and could still be welcomed home. Like, you know, there's a real core to that. Yeah. Yeah. Even the Grinch, both the 2000 and the 2018 versions have the Grinch almost immediately going into Whoville mm -hmm. to mingle for food with people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Both of them. And, um, the differences there are really striking. You know, the 2000 Grinch wears a mask to conceal his Grinchiness, right? Because he's a byword. And and, uh, and again, this starts to reflect really negatively on the, um, uh, on the Whoville society. Mm -hmm. While at the same time, the, our sympathy is not with the Grinch either. He's also being yeah. pretty horrible. Um, Whereas the 2018 version, he's just kind of a bully, but nobody seems to know him. Like, you'd think he'd stand out going into the shop and... Not getting that Nobody thing comments. off the shelf. Yeah, yeah, or knocking the kid's snowman over. Like, he's a bully, but he's not cruel. He's just rude. Yeah, but it yeah, also leads me to, I don't think I could draw a conclusion about this without much more discussion of the story um, beyond the opening. But one of the things that I found super striking about the 2018 version is the songs. They played... Mm actual Christmas carols and not just Christmas carols, but like the Christian ones, like not just like Santa Claus is coming to town, but silent night and God rest you merry gentlemen. Right. And Feliz Navidad. And Feliz Navidad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, mm -hmm. they're, 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 they're playing the, um, yeah, they're playing real recognizable carols. Christmas yeah. carols, which is a departure. You know, we mm -hmm. don't get any of that. I mean, I, I, you know, I still happen to have my screen on the picture of the Who girls and boys. Um, and notice even it's Mary Mary, right? Mm. You know, mm -hmm. up there it's emphasizing the merriment, of course, of the morning. But but again, like we don't we, we don't see there's no there's no almost no recognition of like actual normal Christmas practice, like the distance between this world and our world is really maintained and that's true in the 1966 version as well that's why we get the you know the davu doris song mm -hmm. at the end right um welcome christmas come this way um they're not singing a recognizable christmas carol you know an, an earthly right. christmas carol um 
And uh, but we get those. We get those. And that was I was really when they were singing God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. holy cow. That's a really interesting thing. Um, um, and then they're chasing and, them all over the town. Yeah. I'm like, and using that as a medium to, you know, show us how oppressive the cheer of the who's is yes. against the introvert of I mean, somehow you love them both. Like yes. it just, it just works. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. No, very, uh, very striking. It, they walked such a delicate line with the depiction of the Grinch, um, mm-hmm. who is never like monstrous Mm-mm. in the 2018 version. Um, really never. I mean, it's, I found I rude is as far as I could push him. Yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 he's rude. But even when he's acting rudely, like, what he does with the jar that the short woman is trying to reach in the grocery store or pushing the head off the snowman or something like that. Right. Like he's, he's, um, he's forcibly distancing himself from like the conventions of their society. Right. Like Mm I, I am not going to do things that I don't want to do because you feel that I should, you know, and, and it also shows you know, I'm thinking about that little woman, like she didn't overtly say what she needed or wanted either. She assumed that he would pick up on those cues and be able to yes, participate. In this exactly. Exchange. And it makes you question social cues, which yes. is quite a powerful thing for a quick little scene about jars of jam to do. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly right. I mean, it's it's uh, and it, it in the context of the whole like celebrating Christmas thing. Right. It, that that. um that seemed an important context, right? Like mm-hmm. this is just, this is how we act. This is how it is assumed that you should be acting. And, um, uh, and then he chooses not to, he's, you know, kind of in protest. Um, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was very interesting. Um, uh, I, as I say, they walked that line really carefully and it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. with almost the opposite effect of the, 2000 film where you know I I agreed with you I had a similar reaction of just being like generally creeped out by everyone right yeah um I didn't like anybody in the 2000 film and I liked everyone including the Grinch (laughs) you know from the from the beginning uh you know it wasn't just like the Grinch was obnoxiously awful um uh I mean even like the Grinch isn't really a mean one exactly you were kind of rooting for him, like find a friend, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Anyway, lots of really, um, uh, lots of really interesting things. And of course we didn't get into the details of the backstory, you know, the, that they give to the Grinch in both of the two later versions. We've mentioned it. That's not really an opening thing. Neither one of those things is foregrounded in the opening. They could have done, Right. Like we could have gotten that shot of the little baby Grinch at the orphanage at the beginning. And that's the fun fun thing about adaptation. I mean, you can tell that story and even that would be a little bit different. But, you know, just taking a look at what we got, they're pretty similar on the surface. You know, if you just look at like a a sketch of them, you know, it's establishing shots. It's a visual of, of who's in the cave and who's in town. But what they're saying is quite different. And it was a lot of fun to revisit. Agreed. Well, we're over time. So let, let's, um, let, and there are two things that we need to do quick before 
we depart. Number one, um, next time. We need to talk, so we're going to continue our Christmas discussion. We're going to um, we're going to go back. We're going to continue our openings discussion, and we're going to go back and look at the opening. Uh, we're going to go back to a Christmas Carol, which we talked about last year. We talked about six different adaptations of the Christmas Carol last year. We're not doing six. We're not going to do all six this time. We're get, we're choosing three out of the six. So we're going to look at the book, and we're going to look at the Muppet Christmas Carol, obviously. Um, and we're going to look at um, the new movie Spirited, the one that was new like last year or the year before, pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, that was last year, I think. Last year, the one with Will Ferrell and what's his name? Um, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, uh, and then we're going to look at one of the old uh, Christmas Carol adaptations. Was it the Scott one? Um, that's what I'm looking up. I think it was the 1951. Yes, I admit I can't remember the know. like distinguishing features of the early versions that we did. Jack Warner, Kathleen Harrison. This I'm, is this one right? I'm gonna say yes, and it will put out on social media if it's anything different. Okay. So. Let's say it's the 1951. I the thought 1951? it was a 19, I thought it was a 1971. You tell them the second thing, and I'll search. Okay. For it. So that's that's so the the second thing is <clears throat> I want to do another giveaway. We didn't do our yeah. giveaway today, so I'm gonna do our giveaway. Uh, okay, hang on. Where'd it go? And here it is. Okay. All right. We get another drawing. Uh, to give away a prize, remember you get a choice of one Anytime Audit of one of our grad classes, one Regional Moot of your choice, or one month in a space class. And the winner is Ingvar Hagerlund. Ingvar is the winner. All right. Um, and yes, 1951. 1951. Okay, great. So we'll do the 1951. Um, so, Ingvar, congratulations. And we'll do another drawing yeah. next week. So, don't forget, yes, you can sign up again. Um, starting now, you can sign up again. Just go to the link that I am putting into the chat everywhere. And you can sign up once more for our uh, Other Minds and Hands drawing. We'll do another one next week. We talk about a Christmas Carol. Woohoo! All right, very good. Um, and then we are open to uh, what Christmas themed thing is after that. So if anyone has any requests or ideas, do give us yeah. a shout. Yeah, we'll do we another. Few, but we'll definitely do another Christmas one after that. We could. I mean, there's still more Christmas Carol we can do, presumably. But um, uh, but w it would be fun to do. It would be fun to do another openings thing like we've mm. been doing. That would be uh, that would be fun to look at again openings of uh, of another Christmas adaptation. If anyone has any other suggestions, um, it was George C. Scott. Sorry, I that was nineteen eighty four. Oh, that was the eighty four one, George C. Scott. Really? Patrick Stewart was ninety nine. So, do you want to do George the eighty four one? Do you want to do the fifty one one? I don't mind. I don't feel strongly about any of the old adaptations. Whichever one's easier to find. Let's do, let's do the fifty-one one because it's. I I think it's 
fun to have a contrast that's kind of further. If we're if we're gonna do, yeah. it's a pretty good spread to do the um, like the one from the one from the fifties, the Muppet mm -hmm. one from the nineties, right? And then two, I think. Yeah, and then the uh, yeah, you know, Spirit of which is we got several decades in between and everything. So okay, okay, nineteen fifty one. 1951 Christmas Carol, um, the Muppet Christmas Carol, and, and uh, the and Spirited will be the three film adaptations plus the book. Reread the opening of the book, and I'm thinking you remember may remember the book opens with Bob Cratchit in the uh, in the counting house. Um, uh, then Fred comes in. We may get as far as looking at the Fred arrival, but it will probably be mostly the depiction what we're told about Scrooge. And the Bob Cratchit situation at the beginning. So, and Spirited is Apple TV. Muppet Christmas Carol is Disney Plus, and 1951 is probably going to be YouTube. <laughs> yeah, probably going to be YouTube. I think that's where I found it before. <laughs> so, all right. all right, very good. So we'll do Yay. that next time. Don't forget to sign up again for the uh, drawing, and we'll do another drawing next week. All right, thanks everybody. Thanks for fun discussions. Well, See you guys next week. Bye now. See ya.